So you've brought your product to market and your customers are loving it. But how do you continue to surprise and delight them? And how do you continue to set yourself apart in a very saturated and busy market? It's so tempting to want to ride the success of something new and shiny and sparkly. But also, you know what? The exhaustion from getting a new product out into the market is so very real. But being willing to mix it up and anticipate the next thing your customer is going to want, whether it's a new product or a new spin on something you've already got, the main goal is to continually bring value to your customers. So for this episode, I am so excited to introduce our very first guest from Team CNB. She is my creative operational my ride or die. She is my right hand person, Miss Michelle Kovac, aka the Pastry Fairy. Michelle is technically our director of production and fulfillment for Crank and Boom. She leads our company's manufacturing, product development, and quality and food safety teams. Her passion is for confections and pastries and all things delicious, fun, and pretty. Together, Michelle and I have created hundreds of Crank and Boom flavors, along with other many delicious things, as well as the success of Crank and Boom would not be what it is if it were not for Michelle. So I'm so thrilled that she is joining us here, taking some time out of her very busy day from the office itself to come and chat with us today. Michelle, welcome to the Crank and Boom podcast. Thank you for being here. It's amazing to be here. And uh, wow, that's quite an intro. I feel like I've got a little imposter syndrome there for a second. Was that me? Yes, no way. That is, I feel like that is just like a tiny snippet of the intro of what I should give for you. Because again, the success that we together have had as Crank and Boom would not be what it is if it were not you at the helm and in the pilot seat of so many projects and things that we do. But I want to just dive in and see if you could give us just an intro of like your story and how you came to be. And then we'll kind of talk about like how our worlds kind of collided, even though I feel like our worlds have been swirling each other around since we worked at all the same places. But tell us about you. Tell us where you're from and how you came to Kentucky and like how you got here. Yeah, I'm uh, born and raised in upstate New York and a little town called Corning, New York. I was working for Corning Incorporated, a big Fortune 500 company. So I worked in an environment of a lot of structure, a lot of set processes, a pretty safe environment, you know, not very challenging. And when I moved to Kentucky about 15 years ago, they did not have a position for me in the plant in Harrodsburg. So I actually became a stay-at-home mom. And something that had always intrigued me was, you know, I love pastry and baking and everything sweet. So I decided to go to culinary school part time and just loved it, loved the whole creative aspect of it. And I never really thought of myself as a creative per se. To me, creative was always painting or music or, you know, sculpture, but I quickly learned that in culinary arts, and they call it an art for a reason, that you're making, it's almost an extension of yourself. And I love nothing better than to feed people and bring them joy and help be part of those special moments for them, celebrating their life. What's better than gathering around a table 
with friends over good food or good pastries, ice cream or whatever, and being able to share those moments. So we kind of came to be when I was in between jobs. And I know you had mentioned that we've kind of been swirling around each other in Lexington with different jobs where I've worked, you've worked, and we've never really crossed paths. And I think the most ironic part of that is that we were both working in the same building at the same time for two different businesses, never really crossed paths until I was looking for another position. And then some uh, friend of mutual friend of ours had mentioned that you were looking to hire someone because you were going to be opening the Manchester shop in the distillery district and you needed someone to help develop the menu and come up with toppings and sauces and things to get the shop open. So that's how we kind of linked up together. So both of us have worked for the same catering company at different times. And then we also work for the same coffee company. And it was interesting, like how our worlds collided because like after you're saying all this, I was like, uh, you know, I think the cosmos like meant for us to be together and for us to like find each other. I think so. And we were trying to be kind of a different ice cream shop where we would have a boozy lineup and then we would actually have our own pastries. Originally, when the concept of our ice cream lounge was kind of coming to fruition, I was thinking, I was like, oh, wouldn't it be nice to have a glass of red wine and like a piece of chocolate cake that we like made homemade. And so I needed a baker and... I certainly don't know how to do any of that. And then I was like, wouldn't it be fun if we like made our own marshmallows that we could torch and make like a s'more sundae? And wouldn't it be fun if we like made our own sauces? Like, whoa, that's revolutionary for an ice cream shop. So ta-da, here's Michelle. And one of my favorite memories of us and Crank and Boom in general is the day that we did like a tasting. And I was like, Michelle, just like, before we even open, I was like, can we just like do a little tasting? I'll invite some friends. We did it outside of the patio where now Ethereal Brewing is. And Michelle made this incredible spread of tasty treats and sauces and all the things. And I just knew that like it was just going to be a match made in heaven. What are your memories of that day? Oh, that day I was terrified. It was like I was auditioning for the job. And my other kind of nickname or slogan is go big or go home, right? So you were like, bring me five or six desserts that are a reflection of you and what you like to make. And I was like, well, okay, certainly I'm going to make a coconut cake because Tao loves coconut. I'm not, you know, do. And I remember, so I had full desserts, everything, you know, plated on cake plates and whatever. And we had, you know, all of the sauces and everything. And the one thing I remember that just, I was like, oh, I don't know if I have this gig or not, is that Mike, your husband, Mike, doesn't like really, he's not a big sweets eater. He likes ice cream and other things. Yeah. And, you know, he wasn't sampling anything. Tao was, and, you know, Tao is a super taster. Well, I remember sitting there going, oh my gosh, he's not even tasting it. Oh my gosh, they hate it. I don't even remember that. Yeah. And then, of course, there was so much left over. We're like, okay, let's, we'll take it over to Ethereal in the beer garden and we'll set it up and let everybody try it. So, yeah, I, I've left that thinking, I don't know how that went. <laughs> I don't know if it's good and bad. 
Yeah, well, I mean, that easily sold me because, you know, like Michelle's, her mantra, go big or go home. If you if you ask for uh, Michelle, I would like uh, a cake. She will bring you a cake. Actually, she'll bring you 10 cakes, and then she'll bring you 10 accoutrements that will go with said cakes because that's just how you operate. And so had you help manage the Manchester store as it was getting started, and then you were basically running production, like when you said... I was like, can you just learn to make ice cream? I will teach you. (laughs) And then you were in charge of making all the ice cream while we were over at the pasta garage. And it just kept evolving because it was like uncovering an onion. Like you just had more skills that were just so helpful to everything that we were building. And more things kept coming up. I was like, oh, Michelle Michelle can do that. And that's one almost one of the downfalls of someone who's like very talented. Like you get stuck with a lot of stuff because you get to shine and and people around you see how much you can do. And and we of course wanted to make the most of that and bring your talents into the fold. And so you know, when you're thinking about your own business, I think it's really important to know like where your limitations are because I have no baking skills, zero, absolutely zero. And so knowing that you need somebody that has a whole skill set that you don't have is really important to understand where your limitations are because you cannot do everything, especially if you're looking to grow. And bringing on someone who can complement and not only complement, but really amplify everything that you're doing. I would say when we brought you on, it was an absolute game changer to what we're doing. So, I mean, this month is your eighth year birthday with Crank and Boom. So it is, it is. Thank you for that. We've been able to do a lot of uh, things and traverse a lot of adversity together. And so I'm just eternally grateful that we get to still hang out and do this thing we do together. Thank you for that very much. It is never lost on me that I am eternally thankful for where I am and what I'm doing, because I have always said this is, it's not even really a job. If if someone had to ask me what my job description was out of all the different hats I wear and all the different things I do, I really feel like if I had to put it in one sentence, my job is to ensure that your vision for Crank and Boom, whether it be a new flavor, a new product, a process, or taking on a new roller, a project, my job is to manage my organization and everything that I'm responsible for so that you and Mike can focus on the big picture stuff and what's going to be the next thing that's going to leapfrog Crank and Boom to the next level for our long-term strategy. At that time when you were saying, you know, I want you to take over production, and I thought to myself, the other night I was thinking about it and preparing for, you know, talking with you today, and I thought, she entrusted me with now her multi-million dollar business that was her baby, her dream, and she's entrusted me to help her run it. What a great gift. What a level of trust that I think we've built with each other. I think that is the one thing overall how I knew it was a right fit for me to be with Crank and Boom was that every position is vital. We have a great collaborative, can-do attitude. There isn't anything that we're not afraid to try. It's more like, well, why not? Well, and I think that's one of the things that has also been key, you know, other than your stupendous culinary skills, I think the mindset and the attitude of, well, let's do that. Let's go big. All of those things has been so vital in our growth and our ability 
to try new things and do new things because if our person who was in charge of production, all they wanted to do was basically have the same schedule over and over and over again. You know, we talk about our thinking wavelength scale and this is a scale you can find online. It's called the thinking wavelength. Just look it up. It's out of the Patterson Center. If you are a one on the scale, you basically want to work in a factory and bolt the same things on the same thing every time. Now there's no good or bad to anyone on the scale, but like knowing where you are on the scale is really important when like building out your team. So we like have our ones on our team who go in, they know exactly what they're going to do. They're going to clock in, they're going to clock out. They have their marching orders and we don't deviate from that because they don't like deviation. They want to know what to expect. They do not want to be thrown any wrenches into their mix And that's what we do. And we need them. Someone has to do that. And so we put them in there and that's their happy place. So me on the scale, I think I was like 8.5 on the like more innovative side. And so for me, as someone who is creative and operates in a way that I like need to do new things all the time, or I get really bored and it just wears me out. It's not my happy place. And Michelle is somewhere in between that. Do you remember what your score was? I'm a 5.5. I'm like between a keeper and a, not a minder and a keeper, but the next level up. It really all has to deal with how much risk you're willing to take and how much uncertainty you can handle in your job. And don't they say, Tao, that if you're like more than like one or one and a half numbers, if you're working in one and a half numbers more than where you should be, you're not going to be happy and you'll eventually leave that position, you know, within a year or so. Yeah. And so also like learning your team and where, you know, where are their skill sets, not just like technical skills, but like where are they happy and what type of work they're doing. I think that's really important. So Michelle is a great balance because she's at a 5.5 and I'm, you know, off the scale somewhere in 8.5, 10 land, dreaming of things and the dreaming the future. And she's able to have her hand in both areas of I can get the day-to-day stuff done with her team at production. And then also I can be in this space where we can do creative things and talk about specials and we can talk about the vision of what our product mix is going to be, what are new products we're going to add. And I think that being in that space where you can kind of straddle both worlds is one of your greatest assets. One of the stories that I want to share that I think is really important that really, I think, illustrates how your mindset is different than a lot of people's, and I would say that's for me too, is when COVID hit and we were started doing the small batch flavors and we did the Candy Bashir flavor, which Andy Bashir is our governor. He was doing these press conferences every day for COVID updates. And we thought it would be a nice light thing to name a flavor after him when, you know, when politics weren't really in in the mix and everyone was all on the same team. We did, well, let's do a flavor after the governor because he's doing this every day. Let's call it Candy Bashir and throw all sorts of candy in it and sell it and then also give some proceeds to charity. And And I said to you, you know, how many do you think we can make? And you said, let it ride. I love that. Like, that's one of the other mantras. Like, just let it ride. We don't know. There's no limit. We we actually put no cap on how many pints we were going to do. And up to then, 
you know, the little small batches we were doing, I think the high number was like a hundred. We're making like a hundred pints. It was like, oh, that's a Yeah. Yeah, it was around a hundred. I was like, that's like a popular that was a great batch. Hundred, like that's a that's a big batch. Well, we ended up doing a thousand pints of candy Bashir. It was actually almost twelve hundred. That's amazing. And then from that we were able, I think we were able to give, I don't know, like two, four thousand dollars, like a lot of money to food chain which is a local organization that we love. And had you said, well, I, I think we can only do 200, then I would have capped it at 200. But you also have this entrepreneurial mindset of, let's just see what we can do. And you have no fear in that. And that's what I love so much about our partnership is we don't really have fear when it comes to like putting something out there or trying something different. Because had we capped it at 200, that's would have been it. We'd be like, great, we did 200, hurrah. But then the fact that we could do 1200, that means, you know, for us going into COVID and not knowing what could happen, that means everyone on our team gets to keep their job because we're not laying people off. It means we get to operate for another week because we are able to survive because we had so many unknowns. And so being able to have a partner in that space that is willing to take risks and is willing to try and, you know, sometimes say yes when we don't actually know how we're going to do it, which is, I would say, Crank and Boone's mantra is like, uh, I don't, you know, let's do that. How do we do it? I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And nothing for us, I don't feel like, has ever been not figure outable, right? I mean, I remember when when COVID did hit, it was Rigo and I in the kitchen. And you know, 1,200 pints for us at the time would be equivalent to almost a whole week's worth of production for us. And we both looked at each other and, and it was both of us. It wasn't just me. It was both of us going, let's just, let's just do it. Let's just go. So my team behind me, we're all kind of of this, we're all the same mindset. We're a small, scrappy company and let's do what we need to do to make it succeed and carry on the just carry on. Tao here, popping in to share my excitement about one of my favorite companies in the whole world, Holly Hill & Co. If you are like me and are obsessed with food, especially local food, you will appreciate those special ties that happen around the table. Holly Hill & Co. believes, like I do, that food creates connection and community unlike anything else. That's why they take care to strengthen the ties across the generations between family, the farmer, and the land, all the way to the food that ends up on your table. You can experience exactly what this means at one of Holly Hill's nine unique Central Kentucky restaurants and through their beautiful emails. If you're in Kentucky, be sure to find the nearest location and get ready for an amazing experience with the most fantastic food. Holly Hill's co-founder is none other than my dear friend, James Beard-nominated chef Weta Michael, who's been a force on the Kentucky food scene for over 20 years. Learn more about their incredible food community by visiting hollyhillandco.com, where you'll find stories, recipes, how-tos, and even curated gifts. Again, that's hollyhillandco.com, and let them know that Tao from Crankin'Boom sent you. If you've been listening to the show for a little bit now, you know that I believe in the emotional and magical power of food. A big part of the mission statement of Crank and Boom is igniting laughter and spreading joy. Ice cream is our gateway of delivering that to people, and Gold Belly is our partner in the actual delivery of our ice cream to all 50 states. 
They ship the most famous, the most regional, iconic food from all around the country right to your door. So even if you don't live in the place you grew up, but you really miss your New York bagels or Southern fluffy biscuits, you can get them shipped to wherever you'd like. Additionally, you can try foods from famous chefs like Nancy Silverton or Danny Meyer. Goldbelly is America's number one food marketplace for all your foodie dreams. If you haven't taken advantage of Goldbelly's amazing offerings, run over there right now to their website, goldbelly.com, and ship yourself a little happy today. That's goldbelly.com, and be sure to add a collection or two of Crank and Boom ice cream to your cart while you're at it. We're, of course, nothing without our teams. So shout out to our teams that are out there in the field supporting us and doing all the things that have to happen in order for us to get to do what we get to do. And yeah, I think it's just been so important for us to continue to build our team. And I think when, especially when you're a creative company, it's hard to think of being able to replicate creativity. But I found that not only have we been able to replicate the creativity as in someone else's is in there making, I haven't made ice cream in years, like actually been back there in the kitchen making it. And so we've been able to duplicate that skill set on the creative side when it comes to coming up with flavors. And I do want to dive into how we actually do that process, like tactically how we do that process. But having another person come in to be able to add a whole nother layer of creativity. And we have since been able to launch CNB chocolates. So we have these bonbons that are beautifully painted and created and they're tasty. And they're just this wonderful new product that we've had been able to launch now. We're able to do that because we have Sam. It's been a cool process. And I think bottom line, it's a safe space where everybody's opinions are valued. And there is never a, a wrong suggestion. We've had more wins than we have had fails. We won't talk about candy corn ice cream. Uh-huh. I think that was the oh. only flavor ever done. It was an epic, let's just not do that again. But like I said, we, we always try it. It's never really a fail. It's a learning opportunity for us. Yeah. We, we fail forward, right? Yeah, we fail forward and we, we learn to uh, do better next time. So. Um, absolutely. So when it comes to flavor, so, you know, for an ice cream business, so we have our regular lineup, which is, I think about like 15, some flavors. And then we also have our non-dairy collection that's available all the time on Goldbelly. Go to goldbelly.com to get your non-dairy collection. And they are phenomenal flavors. And and they are so phenomenal. And we also have seasonal flavors that come with the season. So spring, winter, uh, holiday, those sets of flavors that are there for an extended period of time, usually a month or two at a time. And then we have a new flavor every single week. And so throughout the year, we're doing, I'll do some quick math you know, 20s, you know, we're doing over 100 to 200 flavors each year that are coming out. And for an ice cream business, that's bonkers. Like nobody does that. That's crazy. And now we've gotten to a point where that crazy is our regular rhythm of like producing all of these fun flavors and then also doing specials on top of that burger week, vegan week, all of those things as well. So what do you think it is that helps us be able to 
do all of that to keep like the creative juices going? I think it's two-fold. First, we love our customers. And our customers, you know, Crank and Boom grew through word of mouth, social media, every festival and fair you went to and whatever. And customers are not shy about giving feedback about what they want. You know, blueberry lime cheesecake used to be just a summer pop-in flavor. And now we have it all year long because people were up in arms about where's the blueberry lime cheesecake. So being small and listening to your customers and giving them what they want. You know, they're like we had said before, there's at some point in time, all the ice cream people are doing the same flavors because there's only so many flavors you could do. Yeah. And we, we look at seasonal, we look at trends in the industry. That's a big one. Every year we go to the, the sweets and, and snacks expo in Chicago and look at trends. I think my biggest takeaway from that was they did a whole presentation on what are the new upcoming flavors and trends that people want in snacking and in confections. And, you know, hot honey was one of them. So we, we try to incorporate that in um, as well as local collaborations. We try to look around in our own area and say, what's somebody else doing that we might be able to collaborate with them on and create a new flavor, whether it's a brewery, a distillery, uh, a bakery, a coffee shop. It's great to have such amazing local you know, businesses that we can tap into as a source for an ingredient. One of the best things we've done so far this year, we partnered with a local varied sake, which is a sake distillery here in Lexington. And we made a yuzu sake sorbet that was amazing. So just because it's always been done a certain way doesn't mean it has to be done that way all the time. Focusing on local, I think, is probably one of our best arsenals in our toolkit. Yeah, I think that's, I think one of the best things we do so well and that I love doing is all the collabs that we do. And that's with our other restaurant friends and like you said, breweries and bakeries. And there's so many people in our community that are doing amazing things. And can we partner up with folks who are a little more established? And then can we also partner up with up and coming places that maybe not as many people know about yet, but they will because they're amazing. So it's fun to just get to know people in our community. And it's also smart marketing by doing collabs. You're entering into someone else's community as well and maybe be introduced to an audience that isn't familiar with what you're doing. And we're doing that all the time. So yeah, it's fantastic. And so we have all these flavors, right? So how do we coordinate doing that? Because back in the day, it would be December 1, and we would look at each other and think, maybe we should do something for Christmas <laughs> because it's Christmas time. There was no planning. So our flavor strategy and planning have come a long way. And so now, yes, it's evolved. It's, it's Each year, it's gotten a little bit better, and we're a little more efficient at it. But we have kind of the big meeting this year. We plan, basically try to plan for all of 2023 in one meeting, at least get some things on paper. And so the process is we basically roll over from last year things that are like non-negotiables. So some of that is some of the holiday flavors we don't change, some of the fall flavors we don't change. There are some things that I dig my heels in pretty hard about not changing, but for the most part, I say we're pretty flexible. 
with changing things as we go if we feel the need to. And then from the customer standpoint, there are some flavors like holiday flavors that we will always have spice cookie crumble, you know, because that is a holiday classic and people look forward to it. People just know that it's going to be coming. So yeah, white chocolate peppermint and spice cookie crumble will always be here as long as I'm alive and breathing. Fall flavors are usually pretty similar and then our summer flavors change up, I think, pretty regularly. Same as spring kind of change up. And then we will pick the subscription flavors. So we have a small batch club subscription where you can buy a subscription, you get a special keychain, you get to come in and get special perks and also get to pick up a special pint that we've chosen for that month. And so we pick the subscription flavor. We basically are filling out a calendar. We have a spreadsheet. We fill out the dates. And then we also will look at holidays, not just like your regular holidays. We're talking like fried chicken day, a little sneak peek, but we will be doing something for fried chicken day for ice cream. You can simmer on that on what you might think that might be. And so we look at other things like Donut Day. We're doing something for Donut Day. So we try to find things. And then we also try to spread it out because sometimes like every, like this, you know, we're recording this during Derby week. We have what Derby, Cinco de Mayo, Star Wars Day, Mother's Day, everything all jammed in the same time. So when we're creating the calendar, we try to spread it out so that we don't have too many things jammed up at the same time. And yeah, so we spend what we usually spend uh, two, three hours in this meeting. We call this a creative brain trust. And then we have a running list of suggestions from customers as well as our team. And so all of this is how we collaborate and how we create the flavor calendar and the specials and things that we do each year. So there you go. Now you have all the secrets on how it's done. And we also say that it is, you know, the caveat is always subject to change. And, you know, we, we have a plan, but if I think a great example of being able to, because we are small and nimble, to be able to change up our plan if something happens that we want to be part of. And I think a great example of that was the It's Corn flavor we did last year. It's corn! And it was a huge hit. And it was, surprisingly, it was delicious. You never really know where the inspiration is going to come from. It could be just being out on town over the weekend. It can be, you know, what's happening in the media. It can be going to the farmer's market and seeing ingredients and whatnot. We're like little sponges always soaking in kind of everything and always thinking, could I deconstruct that and make that into an ice cream? So I have loved chatting and really getting your perspective on being this other very vital piece of the crank and boom world. And I want to kind of get a few of your closing thoughts on what you feel like has really helped us kind of excel as like a creative company. And then kind of your thoughts too on what you feel like really makes us tick as like a creative company. I think what really makes us tick is a small company is the example that you and Mike set as caring for your employees, caring for our community, and how can we, through this vehicle ice cream, carry that forward and, and care for each other. And that, that goes right down into our organizations, you know, how we value everybody's opinion. It's a safe space. 
it's a space where there is no dumb idea. And everyone collectively, whether you're behind the scenes, if you're scooping, if you're just moving the ice cream around, if you're baking something or whatever, all of us collectively are part of and add to this great big three-gallon bucket of what is Crank and Boom. And we all have a major role to play. And everyone is, you know, happy in their role. So I think that for me is the biggest takeaway. And then entrusting your employees to not only just use the skills that they present to you, but give them an environment where if they have other skills that they can tap into to expand themselves and learn more and to help grow the business as well. Those were the two big takeaways for me, um, for myself. And I try to emulate that down to my staff here at headquarters and in the shops, you know, when we work with them. I think it's it's just that collaborative, we can do it attitude and why not? Let's try it. And there's, you know, okay, well, if it didn't work out, well, we just won't do that again. Let's do something different. Yeah, we definitely will have those moments too. So I think we have had enough experience that most of the things we put out, we can put together in our heads and it usually will come out pretty well without us having to do 10 test batches. But I want to kind of close with a few takeaways that I've kind of taken from our conversation today. And I would say tips on how you keep a mindset, an entrepreneurial mindset of being creative, changing things up and not being basically the same all the time. Because if you're the same all the time, it will never change and the world changes and will move on without you. So you have to learn how to change and adjust and not just in a crisis mode, being able to pivot and being able to evolve, I think is a nice word, is a skill that you have to acquire as you keep moving along with your business. So some takeaways, I would say number one, do not hold yourself within a box. So we are an ice cream company, but you know, we also at one time baked chocolate cake and made cake pops and made candies, which we are doing again now. And So we have never really set, yes, we're an ice cream company, but we also care about social change. We care about human beings. We think about the community. We raise funds for the community. We are more than just ice cream. So I think whatever your company is, I hope that it is a reflection of you because probably whatever your product is, is one part of you. So if you can wrap that product with all the pieces of you that you want to put out there. I think that's always been a nice way for me to do things. It's easier to just show up as myself and present different pieces of myself through our company and through the product. Number two, look for inspiration anywhere. So we talked about going to conferences or collaborating with other people, looking for trends in media, social media, your friends, books, cookbooks. We have a whole collection of cookbooks that we use for reference. So be open and be aware of any inspiration that could pop up from anywhere. So number three, surround yourself with people who also love new ideas. If you have someone who does not like change and is scared of change and does not like risk, there are some folks like your accounting folks, probably good to have fairly conservative. But in terms of creating your product, 
and coming up with new ideas. Surround yourself with people who also love that same creative process. And I think those elements and tips are just a little snippet of why we've been able to make it this far. And on top of that, to trump all of that, like find good people to work with. And I think, you know, Michelle, you sharing a little insight on like our working relationship and then, you know, beyond our working relationship, you know, dealing with so many crises over the years, you show up with food at our house, you take care of our kids, you look after them, you treat our kids like they're your kids. And that is a tremendous gift. And I'm, I'm just really, really grateful for you and for joining me today. Cause it's been fun and we could also talk all day, but we are not going to thank you for being here. Thank you, Tal. And I love you dearly, and you're the best, and thank you again. No, you're the best. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Crank and Boom podcast. If you want business advice and tactics like this every week, click that follow button wherever you listen to your podcast so you never miss an episode with us. Also, if you like what you heard today, it would mean so very much to me if you would leave us a review. That helps other people find us, And I would also love to hear more about what topics you'd like for us to dive into on the show. I can't wait to meet you here again soon. Until next time, peace. This is a production of Four Eyes Media.